Hello, good evening, and welcome. My name is Sergio. You're listening to the Reality Breached podcast. Uh, hello, how's it going? Um, I'm here today with Jordan Hillhouse, like usual. We're talking about mu- movies. That's what I tend to do when I talk to Jordan. How's it going, Jordy? Oh, it's going very well. How are you doing? Well, considering we just had a major recording snafu, yeah, I'm doing okay. Yeah, it um. I guess in an alternate reality where uh, we didn't realize that and I didn't screw up and realize that we weren't recording, um, they would be pissed in about an hour. <laughs> but, uh, <yeah>. Yes. <laughs> or or when we're done doing this, both recordings are going to show up and we're going to, you know, it's going to be a happy time. Whatever. Doesn't yeah. matter. We, Reality Breach has some, some exciting shit coming up. Later this month... Reality Breached is celebrating our 10th anniversary. Uh, yeah, we've, we've been re- doing podcasts since 2011, which seems like seems like a really long time. But it's not. It, it's, it's, it's weird. Ten years is a long time. Uh, we, we also have a, a panel at this year's Mississippi Con- Comic Con. It's, it's very it'll be similar to the panels we've had in the past. Uh, this year's theme or this year's name to the panel is what is nerddom uh how do you define it what counts as being part of nerddom uh geekdom whatever you want to call it uh and how it's been co-opted by pop culture throughout the years hopefully i can choose a few people who are knowledgeable on the topic and willing to have a a more cerebral conversation about whether or not we're being used as 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 a uh, as fans of shit, but you know we'll get there. Right now we need to talk about movies. Uh, just like last time, I believe it was episode one forty. Uh, I had Jordy on, and we, we we talked about this this bonkers endeavor that I'm subjecting myself to, and, and that is three hundred and sixty five movies in three hundred and sixty five days, and uh, I guess. In case you weren't aware, 365 days is a year. It's it's a calendar year. That is not a leap year. This is not a leap year. And the first time we spoke, uh, we talked about the first 91, 92 movies that I watched. We didn't talk about all of them. Uh, I've made it through the second chunk of movies, which means I'm halfway through the 365. What is t- what's t- what's today, Jordy? Today is June the 9th. Year June of our Lord, 2021. That is correct. Uh, <laughs> let me get on my calculator here. Um, let's see. There's 31 days in January plus 28 days in February plus, what, 31 days in March? I believe yeah. so. Yeah, and then 30 in April, 31 in May. Plus nine equals 160. That seems right, right? Yes, you were um, almost at the halfway point. Wait a minute. That's right. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. We are currently 160 days into the year, and I have watched 184 movies. So that means I'm 24 movies ahead of schedule. 
Now, I had a lot of help uh, in that I had a lot of time off in the beginning of the year, and then I went on, on a vacation where the only thing I could do on the train was to sit and watch movies the whole time. So I've kind of been able to, to front load a lot of this shit. I'm sure it'll get harder to do it comfortably later in the year. Uh, but as it stands, I'm way ahead of schedule. That's why we're recording this basically two and a half weeks early. Man, that is awesome that you are so far ahead, that you're keeping with this and you're so far ahead. That's awesome. Yeah, at, th- at this rate, I can wrap this shit up in October. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. Blah, blah, blah. With that said, here's part two of 365 movies. Uh, let's just jump into the list. So I- I've got a bunch of that I definitely want to talk about. And you are looking at the list. You see, you see what I've watched this year. Is there anything towards the top of the list that just kind of jumps off the paper for you? Well, uh, I would love to get your thoughts on uh, the first one I see, which is Superman 3. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Superman 3 is not a good film. <laughs> neither is Superman 4, and neither is Superman Returns. I watched all of like all the Superman movies uh, between like the first chunk and the second chunk, and there's barely a watchable film in any of them. Ugh. Especially by today's standards, like uh, Superman 2 is meh at best. Superman 1, if you have no nostalgia to it, I don't see it standing up at all. And those those yeah. last two, those, those last two original uh, Christopher Reeve movies are absolutely atrocious. Uh, are they both canon movies? I, I know that the... Uh... Superman four is a canon movie and canon movie. What do you mean? C A N N O N, uh, not canon. Like, you know, something is canon. It's a part of the story. Uh, there was a company back in the day called Canon films. And, uh, I could be wrong on this, but I think, you know, the Menendez brothers, their, their father was like one of the main guys at Canon films. Um, but anyway, they they released a bunch of really um, bad movies in the 80s. <laughs> but they had some big properties like they had Superman three and four. Like, could you imagine that today? Like. um, Like the new Avengers movie or the, you know, the newest Marvel movie being released by another studio besides <laughs> Marvel or Disney. Like, there's no way it would happen. Yeah, yeah. There's there's too much inherent value in those properties. It's it's but it is weird like What do you think of Richard Pryor in it? Uh, it's like I Smart Money says, "Hey, this Richard Richard Pryor movies are funny, you know?" But this one is not even a good Richard Pryor movie. No, no, it's not. Which is probably the 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 bigger crime because Casting Richard Pryor in a, in a Superman movie is the wrong call anyway. But not allowing him to be full on Richard Pryor is squandering the one plus you may have. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that was my first Richard Pryor experience. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So um, for a while, I was like, he's not that funny. Like I thought. He was real slapsticky and 
I mean, no. <laughs> and and that's another way movies have changed in the last, you know, 30, 40 years is, you know, they actually use their talent the way they should. Right, right. Sometimes, sometimes, every once in a while. Yeah, like I guess the assumption was you cast Richard Pryor, you're going to get a certain number of people to walk through the door and buy a ticket just based on that. Yeah. So I uh, guess Superman wasn't enough. <laughs> and neither was Richard Pryor. Like there were there were shots in I believe Superman four where it was clear they didn't even dye Christopher Reeves hair. They were just like, ah, eh, dark brown's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Let me, I, I think that, I, I mean, I think that's a staple of canon films. That, <laughs> that they were just like, let's make it cheap. Nobody will notice. And, and, and you know, and now, now people like them, you know. But, I mean, even back in the day, I think people realized this, this is, we deserve better. <laughs> and and I'm sure what they thought was this is just going to be in theaters for like two months, right? Forty years from now, two assholes aren't going to sit and talk to each other about this movie for 15 minutes. No. <laughs> yeah, that had no concept of of the the legs that these these films are supposed to have. Uh, let's let's move on to something significantly smaller scale. I want to okay. talk about After Hours. Have you seen After Hours? I have not. What is After Hours about? After Hours is a Scorsese movie. It's a dark comedy about a guy who goes into Soho in downtown New York, like in on down in, in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and just has the shittiest night anyone has ever had. And just <clears throat> like calamity after calamity after calamity. And none of it is very slapsticky. It's very dark. Like multiple characters just die, I believe, if I remember correctly. And it's one of the better films I watched in this second chunk. Yeah, like, I've never seen this. Um, yeah, like, like like looking at just the the like the box art, it looked like it was some sort of like romantic comedy. But no, it's like it's it's very much. Uh, almost like an existential crisis this guy's going through. And it, like he starts off the opening scene is him in his, like at his not suburban job, but his, his desk job in an office and how he's lived such a boring life. And just, he's the picture of monotony. And then he has this one night where shit just completely goes sideways. And you come full circle to him the very next day in that same office. That's cool. Yeah, it's 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 a really cool. It's one of those movies that I knew existed. I did not know it was Scorsese, and I, in a, never in a million years would I thought would I think, hey, let me check out After Hours. Yeah, you know, I might now, honestly, after hearing you talk about it. But I've seen this poster before, like back in the video store days, mm-hmm. um, or this cover, and yeah, I mean, it, you called it. It looks like a blind date type movie you know like mm-hmm. 80s run amok you know or one one bad thing happens run amok um it does not look like a martin scorsese movie from, no, from this doesn't. picture 
<laughs> at and, all. And it is very dated. Like it, I'm not going to say it it holds up, but it it is a very graphic, not graphic, but it's it's a very <clears throat> clear picture and snapshot of a moment in time in Soho, which kind of adds to the flavor. I, I really liked it. I really liked it a lot. Uh, let's keep it rolling, though. Um, okay. RoboCop. Uh, <laughs> I like I, RoboCop. I do I, like RoboCop. I had seen RoboCop years and years ago, <laughs> and that movie holds up. Outside of the the stop motion animation with the the big robot thing, but the rest of the movie holds up real good. Yeah, I uh, I remember I haven't seen it in probably twenty years, but uh, it is a violent movie. <laughs> yeah, I remember being like a young child and thinking like, yeah, I like seeing violent stuff, but I think this is maybe too rough. Like the yeah. scene where Alex originally gets shot. Like, uh-huh. I think they shoot him, what, like a hundred times at least? Something like that, yeah. It, it, uh, talk about another movie that's a snapshot of a moment in time. Robocop sets a sets a mood, and that mood is very 80s. And it's very gross 80s, too. It's, um, I think it's Detroit. Yeah, it's Detroit. And it's very, uh, very gross yeah i really dig movies from the 80s that paint really dirty gross pictures of downtown like areas and i know that's like that's a real shitty thing to say but that's there was an era of movies where everything's set in new york everything is grimy and gross and it's not a place you want to be it's it's very like a it's like a scare tactic to keep people out of big cities yeah and you know, I have got some movies to recommend for you, uh, hopefully on the next episode, that uh, really have that aesthetic. Oh, I good, think. good. Like, I, I, I doubt they're as accurate as, you know, the movie makes them out to be, because in these scenarios, the movies are supposed the, – the, 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 the cities are supposed to be frightening. Like, you, you make a movie in New York now, it's not frightening. You're just making a movie around gentrification, you know? And and they're trying to encourage you. Hey, come downtown. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another, another movie that kind of had a had that feel was Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. And that's, now, that's another it's one been so long since I've seen that. Yeah. Um, I we learned last time that Sergio does not like musicals. Uh, I think Little Shop of Horrors might be the exception. OK, I was going to say that's a decent movie. Yeah, yeah, and there there were moments in that film that I literally did not understand how they did it. Like, that plant looks real. Yeah. And, like, when he would eat people, I'm like, where'd the person go? What what kind of magic puppetry is this shit? Yeah, so, it's it still holds up. It, um, it absolutely holds up. It's 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 a fucking wonderful little nugget of, of weird... It's Rick Moranis at his best. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rick Moranis, uh, I feel like he was at his best several times in, <laughs> in several films. He, You know, he could just – he's somebody we definitely – or I definitely miss. Um, 
He, yeah, he can yeah. play the uh, confused role so well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the film, like that movie also has a young, uh, let's, what, what were their names? To China Arnold. Oh, from uh, Martin. Yeah. And, uh, shit. What was it? The other, the other girl from Martin. What was her name? Oh, Tisha, Tisha Campbell. Like oh, they're okay. both in See, that that's movie. That's I thought you were talking about at first. No, okay. no. Like, yeah. To China and T. Tisha, I, I'm yeah, Tisha, Tisha, I'm Campbell. fucking terrible. Yeah. yeah, like they're both in that movie, and like they 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 play like two of three, like rocket girls who just kind of pop up and and sing, like yeah, <laughs> interstitial shit. It's cool. It's really cool. Um, do you know who directed it? I don't. Motherfucking Yoda, Frank Oz. Oh, I guess I did know that. Fucking, that's amazing, man. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, it it still holds up. I think it had two endings. Like it had a really depressing ending where like everybody dies and the plants take over and it didn't test well. So <laughs> of course it didn't. But it's cool <laughs> that they uh that they shot an ending like that. Yeah. Uh what 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 else stands out for you on this list? Um, now I haven't seen this one in a while, but who framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah. So, so I, I did go through a, 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 a chunk here where I just watched a bunch of old movies that I had either seen or I had not seen, or I needed to, you know, refresh <laughs> my opinion on it. And, uh, who, who framed Roger Rabbit was one of those. And th- that's another movie that where I was like, I don't understand how they did this in a lot of cases. And you know, I I had heard that Who Framed Roger Rabbit was the most needlessly complex movie ever made. I think that was like a direct quote from somebody mm-hmm. who was on the film. And having watched it, the, yes, I, I I can stand behind that statement. Like the the amount of practical effects they're having to mix with the animated characters is just fucking bonkers. Yeah, and I remember um. Now I haven't seen it in forever, but I remember the uh, the bad guy, uh, Christopher Lloyd. That's see mm-hmm. the judge. Yeah, uh, terrified me. Like yeah. straight up freaked me out. The uh, that scene where he dips the the shoe in the the gunk or whatever it is. Yes, I had a nightmare about that as a child. You know that's that is another complaint about movies. Uh, children movies are uh, they're not really scary anymore. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> like even the ones set in scary like locations, like Hotel Transylvania, is not scary. No. And I wonder, you know, what would happen if they tried to do a movie like that today? Like people would complain, I'm sure. Probably. Probably. Hmm. Just, but yeah, that, that movie holds up pretty well. Like it, it's it, it does show some age and a lot of the humor just doesn't hit as hard anymore because humor has changed. Uh, but it, it's still it's still a good watch. Now, I promise I'm not going in order. But since you said it, it still holds up pretty well. Movie from the 80s. What do you think of Heather's? Uh, Heather's was disappointing. 
<laughs> Heather's is a complicated movie. Like the the first fifteen minutes of Heather's might be perfect cinema. But yeah. after it's, the first like fifteen, twenty minutes, it it trails off real bad. Yeah, I, there are some things I really love about Heather's, but I don't like uh, Christian Slater too much in it, which is a big problem because he's the lead. Yeah, yeah. I, and or one of he, the leads. He, well, you're not wrong. He, he is like one of the two leads and he is very off putting in that movie. And I feel like he's just doing a Jack Nicholson impression the entire time. His entire career. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's but there are some really good ideas of Heather's like that's a film I think that could have a remake today because, you know, high school still terrible. Yeah, I guess yeah. they kind of remade it with Mean Girls, but yeah, I was I was actually about to say Heather's walked so Mean Girls could run. Yeah, yeah, because there's, there's a lot of connective that. tissue there. Uh, it was crazy that so many people died in Heather's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the '80s, they just they just kill people in movies all the time. I mean, like all the time, children's movies. That's not a a kids movie by any means, but um yeah a young teen movie for sure like, and it's got school uh, shooting in it and didn't well, it it had a school vibes. shooting in it yeah oh but, man but yeah um okay so there was one more i want to talk about before i get into the elephant in the room let's see what it was <laughs> well there's there's one that i want to talk about it's kind of the okay, other side great. of the coin uh the, the other side of the roger rabbit coin okay uh, would be Cool World. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's that Brad Pitt shit show from the mid-90s. Oh, yeah, I remember it. I I don't know if I watched a worst movie, a worse movie in 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 this second chunk. It It is so, so bad. I, I remember wanna... back in the day, uh, in the video um, VHS rental days, uh, that was a Paramount movie. And there were a lot of movies I liked that were Paramount and they promoted the hell out of that movie. And I must've saw the trailer about at least 50 times. And, and <laughs> I have never seen the movie. I've never wanted to see it. It, it just, it looked terrible. It is. It, it is. Like none of the animated characters are memorable. None of them are actually funny. Uh, you, you don't really give a shit about Brad Pitt's character. Like, is he like a cop or something? Like he got stuck in, or he didn't get stuck. He found a way to transport himself into cool world and decided to stay there because his mother had died in the real world. And the only thing he had to go back to in the real world was pain. So he just lived in cool world as the only real person. Oh man. Even yeah. with you saying that, I mean, it still sounds like shit. It's a shit. It's a, Oh man. I, I was expecting at least something, you know, cute, but no, it was, it was just, it's a, a terrible, terrible watch. 
And like now it's not strange to think of Brad Pitt in an animated movie, but back then, when did that come out? 92? Something like that, yeah. Like, that just seems kind of strange. Yeah, it came out in 92. Let's see. I'm, Roger I'm Rabbit was... Roger Rabbit was 88, and it was a huge success. So Paramount probably said, let's get some of that animated, some of those dollars. What what can we make? And then it took them four years to get something on screen. Yeah, I mean, props to them for doing, um, having Brad Pitt in a movie like that. <laughs> uh, two years before Jim Carrey did The Mask. But yeah. they should have waited till Jim Carrey did The Mask. Which isn't a great movie either, but it's um, it sounds like it's a lot better than cool. Yeah. Cool world. What? Cool world. I could I could just imagine somebody uh in a in a studio somewhere or in a uh, office just doing a big line of coke and saying I got the name of the movie. Cool world. <laughs> uh, sounds great, man. <laughs> Surprised he's not like a skateboarder. You know, yeah, uh, I know, and I, I don't know. I mean, was there anything about the actual environment that was, for lack of a better word, cool? No, no. It, it, like, Cool World was very much like dirty, dirty inner city nineteen nineties. What, what we were talking about earlier. It's it was, it's that. Ugh. Like the coolest thing in this movie was the real life scenes with Kim Basinger. That's it. Because it was like peak Kim Basinger. That's it. Oh yeah, ninety-two Kim Basinger is uh, that's that's where it's at. Yeah. Not quite Vicky Vale, Kim Basinger, but no. So I've remembered the movie I wanted to talk about before I get to what I think is the elephant in the room. Okay. And okay. that is uh, one you mentioned to me, and it's a great film called The Butterfly Effect. Oh Jesus Christ. I'm surprised that cool. I'm surprised that this isn't the worst movie you've seen. That like, Cool World beats it. Cool World has no redeeming qualities, and when you sit down to watch it, you just want it to be over. The butterfly effect is hilarious because of how bad it is. I, I really don't remember a lot about it. I remember the Oasis song at the end, and I remember him going to prison. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember Ethan Supley in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just thinking, like, it was, it was, it took itself too serious. It did, but it didn't. Like, like, it came out right at the right moment in the early 2000s where it had to take itself super seriously. That was that was just movies back then. There there was no winking at the camera that you know this is fucking silly. But if you can watch the movie realizing they knew they were making a shitty movie, because I, ten minutes in, that's how I felt about it. Was like, oh, okay, they're in on the joke. They just aren't going to tell us they are. Like, there's there's a scene. Well, what's her name? Amy Smart, mm-hmm. where uh, she gets mad at at a. Uh, the main character or whatever the fuck his name is. And she goes to run away from run away from him. And she runs. It's like 
like she's never ran in her life. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what is wrong with how Amy Smart runs, but do, do you remember that episode of Friends where where Phoebe was running through the park and she just ran like a two year old? Yeah, that's how Amy Smart was running in the butterfly effect. I swear, I don't remember that. So much shit passed for passable back in the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it didn't take much. All, all you needed was Ashton Kutcher and a movie vaguely about time travel. Like, but no, no, that movie doesn't hold up. It's not good. The, the best part of that movie is the Oasis song during the credits. Yeah, I do remember that, but yeah. I think it's because of the song. Yeah, that's a great song. But yeah, I, I think that's the ultimate sin that a movie can make is you just don't remember it after you yeah. watch it. And I don't remember it. And I, I, I don't feel like I missed anything either. Yeah. But I, what bothers me is I remember really liking it. Like I, I remember really digging that movie back when it came out and then watching it again. It's just, oh, oh, oh. How many other movies do I need to go back and watch? See, and I, I – I think I might know why. Uh, well, or maybe a possibility. Okay. Because I there have been several movies that I'm like, I fucking love this movie. I, I can't wait to watch it again. It's terrible. But the ending is good. Or okay. The ending might be okay, but okay is a lot better than what came before it, if that <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, so yeah. so it ends on a very high note. So you that's the last thing you remember watching. So it kind of has a better memory for you. I don't maybe. know. That's just my little theory. Maybe, maybe. Because hmm. there have been several movies where I'm like, man, this is this is not a bad, bad movie. And then when I watch it, it's like, oh, this is awful. This is like not even kind of good. <laughs> and I guess well, uh, you can have nostalgia too for whenever you watch it in your life. That's true. That's true. It came out in like 2002 or three, 2003 somewhere around there. And that was like early college. So <laughs> I guess everything was rose colored, right? Yes. Um, what is, what is, what is the, uh, the elephant in the room? So the elephant in the room is, uh, the Tarantino movies. It looks like you went through all of them. I went through every single Tarantino movie, buddy. So let's, uh, how do you want to do this? Because I would love to hear your thoughts. We could do like a rapid fire of it, and then we could go into more detail. How? Because you I, famously do not really care for uh, Mr. Tarantino. I, I, yeah, I, I guess I have to qualify all of this. Uh, so, I, I back when I was working at the video store, you know, pretentious teenager Sergio was like, "This Pulp Fiction movie is fucking dumb." You know, why why the fuck is he telling the story backwards? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Near, you know. Just 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 angsty little asshole. I was just immediately shat on Pulp Fiction for what for exactly what it was, you know, edgy and, you know, ballsy. Well, because of that, I hadn't really I hadn't watched any of his other films. The closest I had come to watching any of them was Kill Bill one. I'd started it and gotten maybe 45 minutes into it and was like, I don't dig this. This is not good at all. I don't like action sequences. So. So at that point, I just told myself I'm not going to watch any Quentin Tarantino movies. And this project that you know we're working on, I figured there's never a better time to just sit down and watch these motherfuckers. 
And so I watched them in order, not back to back. I I, kind of spaced them out, but I did watch them in order. Uh, If you want to throw me some some uh, some uh, rapid fire stuff, go for it. Okay, so let's see. Uh, Pulp Fiction. I let's let's go. um, How do you want to do this? Uh, Thumbs up or thumbs down? Or do you want to do like a quick grade? Uh, Quick five star grade. How about that? Okay, so five stars. Uh, five stars, fantastic. Zero is uh, is the butterfly effect. So, yes. <laughs> um, okay, so um, let's start with the first one, Pulp Fiction. Uh, three. Wait, I'm sorry. Three. Okay. Yeah. Reservoir. That's not the first one. The first one's Res- yeah. Reservoir Dogs. Uh, contextually, I would say four for Res- Res- Reservoir Dogs. Okay, uh, Jackie Brown. That one's a four. I really enjoyed Jackie Brown. Okay, we'll talk about that one. Um, Kill Bill 1. That's a two. Kill Bill 2. That's a solid two. Okay, and did you watch any others? Oh, yes. Yes. I, I watched, okay. uh, let's see, I watched Death Proof. Okay, what do you think of Death Proof? Death, Death Proof is a fun two hours, but none of it makes any fucking sense, so I'm going to say about a two. Um, I watch Inglorious Bastards. That I'm gonna give a five. Okay, so this is that's a really high rating. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, uh, Django. Django's a five. Django is the best of the of the bunch. Okay, so let's see. Is that it? For no, you? there's 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 a couple more. There's what the am hateful I eight. The hateful oh eight. yeah. What'd you think of it? Uh, that one had a lot of potential, but I'd probably give it a three. Okay. For how how long how many hours it is? It's it like we'll get into the, my problems okay. with Tarantino movies when we're done with this. But okay. the last one is a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right. What'd you think of that one? Uh, that one's a three. Like ah. that's another one that had so much potential and it just kind of shat out a plot. All right, so let's uh let's start um let's go back in time. We don't have to start with Reservoir Dogs, but any of the early works you want to make a comment on? Uh, I, yes, yes. During his, his early movies, he was very much cultivating a brand, and that brand lined up very much with what indie movies were in the '90s, like movies that like just full of monologues by characters that didn't move the story along it was just talking to be sassy and clever and like those characteristics kind of have carried themselves through his entire movie catalog like th- yeah and and he's very he's a fantastic conversationalist but when he tries to attach these verbose fucking conversations to a grander narrative, I feel like the story that like the, the, the conversations don't do the stories he's trying to tell service. Yeah, I really, um, I think that really shows in, um, death proof. Yes. The whole conversation, because I really think that a lot of the conversations that are in his movie are pretty, uh, movies are pretty timeless. Like, even Pulp Fiction, like the Ving Rhames speech where he talks mm-hmm. about pride, like I, I 
that still holds up, but there's a bunch of stuff in uh Death Proof, I feel like that the uh the part where he talks about, you know, about getting scared to Rose McGowan, that's really good. But yeah. I think a lot of it is just oh, let's see how quirky we can be. And it's not really focusing on the characters. And I think he's great at um developing characters. Like he like the wolf. How cool is the wolf? You know, from Pulp Fiction. Oh and yeah, yeah. Apparently not that cool, but that that dude's cool as hell. He shows up in a tuxedo at like eight in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, uh Christoph Waltz, he's in two of your favorite movies from him, from Tarantino. Um Christoph Walt Waltz is he's a fucking treasure, man. And I mean and I will say Tarantino's got an eye for talent too. He does. He does. Cause like, and, and he's also able to get fantastic performances out of people because even the yeah. movies that I wasn't a huge fan of, he still got great performances out of people. So you said you like Jackie Brown. what do you like about Jackie Brown? Cause that's kind of a controversial one. A lot of people, that's where he kind of took a detour and it wasn't popular. So he kind of went back to the well, so to speak. Uh, like, Jackie Brown, especially of his early works, feels like the most movie movie. Like it's it it tells the most coherent story of that of those early works. It is well crafted and it's timed well. There there's not a lot of uh, fluff outside of the extremely long shots that are two minutes longer than they should be. But that's a different conversation. But it holds up as a story better than both Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and probably Kill Bill. And the casting in that is wonderful. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Foxy Brown. Mm hmm. Pam as, Greer. As, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Pam Greer as fucking Jackie Brown is perfect. I think I don't know how true this is, but I I have heard that he he made that movie. Um, just to do, uh, just to get uh, her in it. Like he wasn't even going to do it if she said no. And you know, I would absolutely believe that. She's fantastic in it. And Samuel Jackson is fantastic in it. I was going to say he kind of rubs me the wrong way in a lot of movies. I think he's kind of, you know, done his thing for a while, but he is really <laughs> good in Jackie Brown. Yeah, yeah, like. I, I would say Pulp Fiction has the most memorable individual scenes, without a doubt. But if, if I want to sit down and watch a movie that is inherently entertaining for its entirety, Jackie Brown wins out, hands down. That That is really interesting. I mean, I've heard a lot of people actually say that. Like, and, But, I mean, Pulp Fiction is still a darling. Everyone... Yeah, a lot of people really like enjoy Pulp Fiction, and yeah. I, dude, I remember knowing the whole movie back in the day. <laughs> so I, I mean, I really liked it. I didn't really see anything like that. The Simpsons did a great spoof of it with yeah. their uh, twenty-four short films about Springfield. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just I don't know. I thought it was kind of weird for me too, though. Like there were a lot of things I didn't really understand in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and Jackie Brown? 
no, I'm sorry, Pulp Fiction. Oh, oh, yeah. Jackie Brown. I, I, I mean, Jackie Brown's simple, but it's complex too. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, I mean, it's really good. Good actors. I, I mean, I think that is a constant with Tarantino, as you were yeah. saying. Um, just really good performances. Bridget Fonda was good in it. Robert mm-hmm. De Niro was really good. Yep. I mean, that's not really a surprise, but he's not playing the same role. He's, I think he was really good in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, m- m- moving on to later in his career, like, yeah, he, he kind of found an, an, a new favorite thing. And that was brutally killing people who are inherently bad. Yeah. Which. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. You know, it's it's weird that he's stuck so closely to that lane because because let's see, there's there's what death proof where Kurt Russell's character just gets fucking murdered at the end. After being the murderer in the first half, uh, then there's Inglorious Bastards where they're just killing Nazis. You know, there there is no no one has a moral problem with murdering Nazis. Uh, but I will say that first scene in Inglorious Bastards is one of my favorite scenes of any movie. What was the opening scene of that movie again? That's where uh, it takes place in France at the farm. And uh, it's where you first meet Christoph Waltz's oh, character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's so well done. Yes, absolutely. Uh, let's see. And then Django Unchained. Like, that movie's about killing slave owners. So... And they are like they are not even and I mean, they're slave owners, let's you know, be real, but they're not portrayed. I mean, they're portrayed as villains. So you yeah. don't really care when they, you know, when something bad happens to them. In fact, yeah. you're rooting it on when I was I watched it um, when I watched it in the theater, people were clapping in the final scene and mm-hmm. like just very happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Well, I mean, they're bad dudes. Uh, <laughs> they uh they deserve it. The, the the hateful eight. That 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 strays a little a little farther away from let's just brutally murder all the bad people until about halfway through and you realize that everyone is a bad person. Yeah. Uh, the hateful eight. I wanted it to be so much better than it was. Because the the idea of you know these people being stranded in a in in. Basically, what's basically a cabin for two days and they don't know yeah. each other, but they're all angry at each other and there's bounty hunters involved. Like, that's a fascinating concept, but I feel like he just dropped the ball a couple times. Could, couldn't couldn't make it to the end zone. But but again, great performances, great conversations, great vignettes that you could literally pull out of the movie and say, check out this five minute conversation between Samuel L. Jackson and three random uh, cowboy white dudes, you know? Yeah. Uh, Tim Roth. And like, he kind of went back to the well because mm -hmm. he had Michael Madsen and Tim Roth in it. But he also did that Tarantino thing where he kind of rediscovered someone with uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. And she was really good in it. She was really good in it. And I feel like Tim Roth was just doing a really good Christoph Waltz and Christoph Waltz impression in that movie. Kind of. Because for a second, I was like, is that? No, that's Tim Roth. <laughs> but and, no, he, I mean, he was really good. And it shows you um, like really how good the actors are, because 
up until now, I, I mean, I just kind of disconnected myself that that's Kurt Russell in the movie. Uh-huh. The same guy that played Stuntman Mike a few years prior. Yep. So um, now, did you ever hear the story about the um, guitar in that movie? No. Okay, so there's a scene in it where Jennifer Jason Lee is playing guitar. Right. And then uh, Kurt Russell gets real mad because she, you know, she says something, you know, like basically, I, I'm going to kill you pretty soon at yeah, the you're, end. Of you're going to be dead soon. Yeah. And, uh, he gets mad and he smashes a guitar. Well, Jennifer Jason Lee is like really freaking out in the scene. And the reason why is because that is an authentic 1870s Martin guitar. It was like a one of a kind. I don't know if it was one of a kind, but it was extremely rare. Oh no. And, um, yeah. So that was, they, they lent it to uh, the production, but they were like, you just play it and don't even don't even have any action scenes with it. Like, don't even pretend to move it like you're going to break it. Um, That's and, and the thing is, is what I've heard about Tarantino performances or, or productions, he'll tell actors, go into the scene. And like, convince me that you are that person, you know, and a lot of times that causes people to go a bit off script or do something a bit more than what they were expected to do in hopes that that's the take that will get, you know, chosen. And that might be what happened there. Kurt Russell was like, I'm going to fuck this guitar up, not realizing what it was. Yeah, I think I mean, I even think Tarantino was pretty pissed, too, because it's like <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a priceless thing. That's, but that's fantastic. Uh, it's a cool story. Yeah. But I'm uh, I'm so uh, Kill Bill. You you didn't care for the Kill Bill movies? No, no. Like I get what they're trying to do. Uh, you know the the whole samurai, not samurai, but like kung fu movie shit. Like I don't care. Yeah, and I do think a major flaw with that movie is everybody in it is bad and terrible, even the bride. Like <laughs> I, I think she's awful. Like she's a straight up, and I mean, um, Bill even says that to her. He's like, "Hey, killer." Yeah. Like, yeah, you're a killer too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, just because Tarantino has a crush on him. <laughs> like there, there's, there's cool moments in the in the movie, but honestly, if I was the editor, I would edit out about forty five minutes worth of shit, and then glue the two movies together and just call it Kill Bill the Epic. Yeah, because and and like have an intermission in the middle, make it a three hour movie because, man, it's it was hard for me to sit through both those movies because I the action sequences are well choreographed. There's cool wire work. You know, I can see how someone would get a real hard boner from this movie. I'm not that person. Well, I was back in the day. I loved it. I, I love the uh, I love the end of the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I just I I enjoyed it. The second one was a letdown, but the second one has one of my favorite scenes too. Um, like Tarantino, actually, I mean, he has several of my favorite scenes in film history, um, and it's the scene where um, Daryl Hannah fights um, the bride. Mm-hmm. In in the trailer, I think that is such a well done scene. And oh, that that's, a, that's a fun scene, yeah. 
oh, that speech she gives, like, uh, and then Uma Thurman is like, bitch, you don't have a future. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cold. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. And, 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 and that's just more evidence that like Quentin Tarantino is the guy you come in, you bring in as a writer to make a scene memorable. Like yeah. asking him to write an entire coherent movie. Like it just, you're just going to end up with something that's way longer than it should be with a bunch of really memorable moments. Well, and your point about the editor is, uh, it's really good. Um, he needs, he needs somebody to kind of rein him in sometimes. Yeah. Cause like a yeah. three hour movie. And I'm glad that one didn't do well because of that, because I didn't want him to think, okay, well the next movie is going to be six hours. <laughs> Cause who's going to fucking stop me. Yeah. But, um, and wow. I mean, he basically did make a six hour movie with kill bill. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just too much, man. Like there were so many, there were so many moments in a lot of these films that I found myself just scrolling through my phone, waiting for the scene to end because he decided that he, there was going to be a, 35 second long pan or a long zoom on an item in a room. Yeah. And I'm just like, why or why, why get to the fucking point? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right about that. Yeah. Once upon a time in Hollywood was very disappointing. Uh, Brad Pitt was good in it. He was Uh, good. Leo was good in it. Leo was like the performances were good. It's just, how are you going to tell a story that's like, uh, Charles Manson adjacent and mm-hmm. not really tell the Charles Manson story. Yeah. I, and see that bothered me too, because when they first started talking about the movie, they're like, dude, Tarantino is making a Charles Manson movie. And I was like, okay, this is the closest thing we'll get to a Tarantino horror film. And I mean, it does, it doesn't have to be bloody, you know, Manson was scary enough. You didn't even have to show the murders, but yeah. I, I thought the murders at the end were very ridiculous and yeah. um, completely. I mean, of course, by that point, it's the end of the movie. But I will say one thing I loved about the movie is um, I feel like I have seen 1960s Hollywood. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, really good attention to detail. Um, throughout that entire area with all the theaters that were around all the um, diners. I mean, I've seen um, side by side footage and I mean, it looks the same. The cars all looked very uh, similar, Um, but I don't know. The Bruce Lee thing rubbed me the wrong way. There were, there were just several things that I was thinking like, don't have real people in your movies. You know what I mean? Like just, just have caricatures of them. Yeah, like and 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 this will probably be the last thing I say about the Tarantino stuff, but I find that I found that a lot of the ends of his movies betrayed the tone of the rest of the movies. Uh, yeah, like the end of in Hollywood betrays the rest of the movie because the end of the movie is this 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 almost cartoonish level of violence. When you're coming off of two hours of we're building up to something serious and something 
eventful or impactful and you just get Brad Pitt murdering hippies. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not a violent movie at all the entire time. And then yeah. it gets crazy violent. I I think uh, Django kind of did that. Like it got slapsticky at the end. Yeah. J- Django does that. Inglorious Bastards does that. Uh, Death Proof. It does it. it like it's the perfect portrait of betraying the movie because at the end it's basically like hey we won high five boom and but I, I i get that that was a very special kind of movie and so i can't really hold it up to the same standard as the rest of his films because it was in that the, the grindhouse like double feature thing and it was supposed to be kind of odd well and that's him having a lot of creative license Yes. Because Troublemaker Studios did that. Robert Rodriguez's studio. Mm-hmm. They were like best friends at the time. His name was on the poster, so uh, they were going to get it greenlit. It was a cheap movie to make, so he could have all kinds of feet in it. <laughs> he could, you know, <laughs> he could. Um... Now, I do like the uh, first death scene in it. I think it's really well done. Yeah. But, I mean, he could have, like, a five-minute lap dance scene in that movie where you don't need that. No, I don't feel so much you don't need. <laughs> but, but, yeah, like, the, the, the entire movie, like, like, you get to the end of Death Proof and you feel like there's going to be something impactful. Kurt Russell's character is going to, you know, understand the error of his ways or they're, they're, there's, there's going to just – it's like, boom, you're dead. And then we high five and then the screen might as well have like froze like in an 80s television show. And then mm-hmm. the theme song pop up like, what the fuck am I watching? Oh, yeah. No, great point. Yeah, I, I whatever. Like, let's move on. Let's move on. I I enjoyed my 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 journey through those movies. I probably won't be watching any of them again. Uh, just because I have other shit to watch. Uh, but I will be there when and if he releases another movie. Cool. Because they're interesting enough and th- they create conversations. Now, one movie that's kind of lesser known on your list, I'm mm-hmm. surprised, actually. I'm glad um, you put the year. Um, oh, but no. oh, Crash... No. Yeah. What, what do you what, why do you have a damn David Cronenberg movie on this list? Now, I mean, he's a great director. He really is. But Be- because I googled David Cronenberg and, <laughs> and was like, hey, let me watch his movies. I hear they're fucked up. They are. <laughs> and boy, did I not realize how fucked up those movies were. Like, I now, watched, I watched like Videodrome is fucked up. Uh, yeah. But Crash was the one where I I watched it just slack jawed like what the fuck am I watching? And uh, that's a real thing. I I didn't believe it when I first. I, now I I didn't watch that when I was younger. Um, it was a couple of years ago, and I'm like this isn't real. But no, it's real. Yeah, people really, people who are sexually attracted or se- sexually turned on by car crash victims and their crashes. The amount of sex like just sex in that movie is alarming and considering what the characters go through. Uh, yeah. 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 Like, go ahead. Uh, it's just a disturbing movie. It's very disturbing. (laughs) Um, 
I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think he kind of, he's a director that kind of has his own thing and he doesn't really care about what, you know, I, I almost feel like he doesn't really care about what the mainstream audience cares about. No, he doesn't like, like he, video yeah. drone. It's unlike anything. Um, I've ever seen it's um, that's a movie that could totally be remade um, uh, or, or a story that could be retold. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he has several really good movies though. Um, is dead ringers on your list? It's yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's on my uh, try to get to list. So, okay. It's actually not bad. Uh, I, I also have the fly, of course. Yeah. That's a, that's, uh, that's yeah. a decent one. Yeah, the fly is a classic. Uh, th- that yeah. one I've seen, but I-, I had not seen any of his other ones. But like, w- so so I was in. This is a bad example for him. I do want you to know, like most of or his it's movies. A fantastic are- example. Yeah, I mean <laughs> he he is a really good director. Um, like, it's, even- it's it. Let me don't get me wrong. It's a well made movie. Like the yeah. performances are good. The story kind of makes sense. It's just the content is so. Off the, not even off the wall. It's so disturbing that it makes the movie hard to watch. And I, you know, I don't even know if something like that could be made today, even with all of the. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, with digital and everything, um, you know, and everybody's got a movie production studio. But still, I mean, that's a hard sell for Netflix or for Amazon Prime. You know what I mean? I, like it's somebody someone would make that today someone would cuz it would get the, it would get attention yeah and and I don't feel he made it for that like I don't think he's one of these guys that I I really don't think he cares I think he wants to make his movies you're right you're you're right you're right right uh yeah I, like uh, so, so I watched that movie while I was in uh, visiting Daniel in Kentucky and he had never he's never seen it. He didn't watch it with me. But afterwards, like he woke up from a nap or something and I walked in and I was like, dude, let me tell you about this fucking movie I watched and going through the different things that happened in this movie, just saying them out loud. Was <laughs> like I literally had a moment where I was like, that movie's way more fucked up than I realized it was. Like yeah. j- just watching it is one thing, but explaining to someone what you just watched really puts it into a completely different light. That is a really good perspective because it would be hard to explain that movie. Yeah. Like, because it's his movies are definitely um, good. Um, I don't know if I've seen a bad David Cronenberg movie. I really don't. Um, like even his stuff from the, uh, you know, mid seventies, like rabid rabid's okay. I mean, it's really decent. Um, and he gets good performances out of like he got a good performance out of Debbie Harry, um, <laughs> yes, and yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know Marilyn Chambers. She was a porn star, um, but he got you know she was in Rabid, one of his first movies. Very good performances, but just crazy, crazy premises. Yeah, but yeah. I yeah. I do I think he's I mean I. I think he's I think he's an all star, I guess. I think he is a, a top tier director. I, you know, I've, I've only seen a few, but I, I do want to watch more because 
the last thing you're going to accuse his movies of being is boring. And I'm, I dig that a lot. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, that's a good way to say it. Cause he could have, he could have just cashed in after, um, the fly and remade the fly 20 times over the next 30 years, but he didn't. Yeah. He made crash. <laughs> I, I don't know if that was his next movie after the fly, but it was, it was pretty close after. Yeah. A movie well, nobody asked for. No, no. And so, so, so I guess to balance, to, to, to balance the scales, uh, a couple of days later, I watched crash the other crash, uh, the 2005 Which one movie. best picture. Yeah, best picture crash. And I don't think that movie's best picture good. It's not terrible. But it's a like it holds up. It it, it definitely holds up. There's a lot of uh social commentary that's very heavy-handed in it that unfortunately is still very applicable in 2021. Yeah, and I think that's why it got a bunch of the uh you know, the hate, I don't think it was, it wasn't the best picture that year, but I don't think it was, um, I don't think it's the worst best picture winner. Oh, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, okay. Yeah. I don't really want to talk about crash. I just wanted to mention that I watched both crashes. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's scoot through some more of these. Uh, do you know what better luck tomorrow is? I don't. Okay. So, you know, the fast and the furious, right? Of course. Uh, you know, dir- director Justin Lin, who has directed several Fast and Furious movies. Okay. He is the director who, who did uh, Tokyo Drift and in- introduced the character of Han. Yes. Uh, fan favorite character, Han. Well, Better Luck Tomorrow is a movie he made before getting the job on Fast and Furious where he had the same actor play a character named Han. And the, the, like the fan theory is that that's the same guy, the same Han that ends up becoming the Han in fast and the furious. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's kind of been retconned into fast and furious lore. And now that and Justin Lin, he directed the most recent one that comes out, what, later this month or next month? Yes. So like and Han is in that. So 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 the legacy of this tiny little indie movie, Better Luck Tomorrow, is still alive. Uh, and it's really good. It's 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 about these these Asian kids uh, in America who decide to live a life of crime because the like the best cover up for a life of crime is to be an A student. <laughs> like no one is going to assume that you're the guy dealing drugs if you make straight A's. Yes. And so that's how they just kind of blindly get away with a whole bunch of stuff uh and it it gets it's really dark. It's it stars only Asian people, which I know you know it whatever that it's cool to see a movie with Asian characters that is multifaceted. It's not just, Hey, this is an Asian guy. Like they have the Asian dirt bag. They have the, you know, the Asian smart kid, the Asian straight guy that, you know, like the stereotypes and yeah. Yeah. Like the tropes. 
Yeah, right, right. It, Basically, it, it, in white movies. Yeah, it's, it's the, white movies. Yeah, it's it's the tropes you would see in a white movie, except it's all Asian people. And it it was just it was a refreshing little watch. I wasn't expecting much from it, but I would suggest watching it because it it holds up. It's 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 fun and also kind of disturbing. It's it's really cool. I like it. Cool. Uh, let's, let's see. Let me. There, there were a few other ones I definitely wanted to talk about. Um, shit. Which? Where? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? The Abyss. I had never seen The Abyss before. Uh huh. <laughs> That's a fucking movie, man. It is. Like uh, I am. How did Ed Harris not just die making that dude, movie? Let me tell you, Ed Harris, um, hates that movie. Because um, the the way they treated him in it, I, I can imagine. Like, I'm sure he almost drowned like six times. Not just him. There were several people that didn't even go to the premiere. They were like, "Fuck this movie!" Like, <laughs> you tried to kill us. We, yeah, we're yeah. not going to promote it. We don't care. Um, thank with you. With that said, wouldn't let him get out of the <laughs> contracts. With that said, it's a fantastic film. Man, I haven't seen it in so long, though. Does do the effects still hold up? Yeah, yeah. Uh, all the underwater stuff, like the, the 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 deeper and deeper they get, both into the movie and into the water, uh, the more astonishing just the ability to make that movie is. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's James Cameron doing water stuff <laughs> before Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> Do, uh, he did some uh, some of the effect work in it. You can definitely see in Terminator 2. Yeah, yeah. It's true, like a precursor true. to that. But um, basically, what I've heard about it is just it was he was terrible to work for, just a complete tyrant and treated yeah. everybody like shit. Yeah. It. Uh, but this James Cameron, you know, I heard he was like that on um, on uh, Titanic. Uh, one best picture so you know people probably hated it at the time but they loved it during oscar season yeah yeah when right. everybody was talking about what a great job they did like say what you want about james cameron he's a great filmmaker yeah i mean i and he's he's an explorer i mean yeah. <laughs> I, I think he is the only person i think he is like the number one person um that's reached like the deepest depths of the ocean yeah like, that's crazy he's a multi-millionaire doesn't have to worry about anything ever and he was like yeah let's do this let's do what nobody else has done before <laughs> he's he, obviously he's very into the ocean yeah 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 the, 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 okay let me let me i guess qualify the abyss a little bit the, the abyss works really well the science, the sci-fi side of the abyss is a little quirky and doesn't and hasn't aged as well as the rest of the movie. But the rest of it feels like a quality James Cameron movie. Yeah. Like I said, it's been a while since I've seen it. I enjoyed it when I was um, younger, but yeah. Uh, I but yeah, Ed Harris, I think Ed Harris was probably a, Really nice, happy guy before he did that movie, and now he's just an asshole. Uh, yeah, you know, 
I I don't blame him. After watching that movie, I don't like. Again, how he's still alive blows my fucking mind. Uh, let's see. Just gonna run through some that I watched. Uh, okay. Social Network. That, that movie's real good. Still good. Jaws. I'd never seen Jaws before. Shocking. That movie is absolutely thrilling, and I feel like an asshole for having waited so long. And see, I'm not a big Jaws fan. Oh man, the third it's act a, of it's Jaws. It's a well-made film. It's it's definitely well-made. It's just yeah, the, I, I never the, got into it. Act three oh. of Jaws had me on my toes. And it's 2021. Uh, that that thing you do, still fucking amazing. One of my favorite movies. Uh, really, it's oh, a good yes. movie. I I love that thing you do. Um, the Princess Bride, not as good as I remember it, but still pretty good. Uh, let's see. I think nostalgia is kind of everyone loves that one now, and yeah. it's got those rose colored glasses, rose tinted glasses. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I watched all of the uh, Chronicles of Riddick movies. Uh-huh. That's uh, Pitch Black, The Chronicles of Riddick, and Riddick. Yeah. Pitch Black is pretty decent. P- Pitch Black is a that's a really good movie. The other two are not. Like, it, it's very clear that, that Vin Diesel is the producer on those, because yeah. at no point does anyone get the best of him. <laughs> he he's basically just in a writer's room where everyone is a yes man. And he's like, then I'm going to throw the knife and it's going to decapitate him. He's like, yes, sir. We'll do it. We'll find a way. Like, and what if in this scene you get, um, you lose the arm wrestling match, but, um, no, 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 no. Start over. <laughs> what if I win? Well, there's no conflict for later. No, we don't need it. We don't need it. Yeah, cut that part. We don't need that part. We don't. We don't need that part. <laughs> uh, and th- like the the downside is people have been telling me to watch those fucking movies for like fifteen years, and now that I've watched them, I feel like I should go back to everyone who told me to and say you're a liar. Dude, listen, you're in your right to do that. Because <laughs> if if somebody ever tells me uh, a movie's really good and I watch it and it's not, I'll let them know, and I'll let them know if it's. I'm like. If it's a good movie, I'll let them know. Yeah. But um, especially if it's a piece of shit, especially if there's three of them, <laughs> and especially if the first one teases you, because the first one is really decent. Yeah. Yeah. Man. But that's I, before, like you said, you know, probably before he got his producer cred. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's, it's very much like the, the, the Fast and Furious movies minus the spectacle of Fast and Furious and very much like the triple the X movies. You know, they're just a showcase for Vin Diesel to be a badass. Yeah. And that's it. And you got to love a movie being triple X that's PG-13. <laughs> has no nudity in it. Has Vin Diesel shirtless half the time. Yep. And I'll tell you, I think that's a halfway decent idea. And I think with someone else, it could have worked out better. I don't know if that's a Vin Diesel role for Triple X. He's he. It's, it's also apparently it's not an Ice Cube role either. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know who would be good in that. Um, whoever um, was second to getting a James Bond role would probably be really good at that. 
long as they could do it in an American accent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of pseudo James Bondy shit, uh, I I watched all of the Bourne movies. They're not bad. They're not good though. They're not good, but they're not feel, terrible. Like I, after watching Jason Bourne, the last of all, I even watched the the one with Jeremy Renner. Uh, after watching all of them, I felt like they duped me into watching the same movie four times, five times. Yeah. Um, like oddly enough, Jeremy Renner's movie, which is what the, the born legacy like that, yeah. that one is the most interesting of the five because it's the only one that actually does anything different with the formula. You know, Matt, yeah. Matt Damon running and being one step ahead of the people pursuing him. And that's it. That's, that's it. That's all four of the movies. And I hate to go back to Cronenberg, but you got to respect that because he could have easily did that. You know, it's so easy to do that. You, you strike gold one time with the born identity and you're like, let's make a sequel. That's exactly the same as the first one. Yeah. Cause that's what people like. And then, you know, it probably made more money. Those movies I know made a lot of money. Oh, they did. They absolutely did. And there wouldn't have been, been five of them if it didn't yeah and it, it, it it's it's you know to, now to their credit they're shorter movies like hour 47 i think was how long the born supremacy was and i was like oh wow this is it so like they're, they're not they're easy to digest they're real quick to get in your system but every one of them is the the first two acts are exactly as you would expect and them chasing jason Bourne. then there's some sort of tiny little revelation at the beginning of of, of act three or the end of act three. And then he shoots some people and disappears. So I tried to watch the second one, but halfway through it, I remembered that I did not remember how the first Jason Bourne movie ended or the Bourne identity. And I saw that movie at least two or three times, at least two. I'm thinking I saw it three times and I was, I, I think you're right. It's just easy to digest. I didn't remember how it ended. Yeah. And 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 you know you want me to tell you the secret? It what? doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and see that sucks too. There's no stakes. Yeah. Does he at least die in any of them? No. Ah. No, they they left Jason Bourne open for a sequel. And you know uh. what? Um. I think uh, I think we just answered the question on the triple X. Um. Matt Damon, uh, a Matt Damon like Matt Damon would be a good triple. <laughs> yeah, Matt I think Damon he, twenty years ago would make a good triple. Well, X. when he made um, the Bourne movies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but <laughs> speaking of triple X and uh, extreme sports, I watched Gleaming the Cube. I have no idea what that is. Are you serious? No idea. Oh my God! Gleaming the Cube is a skateboarding movie from like the late '80s, early '90s, one of those two, and it stars Christian Slater as as like a, a degenerate skateboarder who Love it. gets caught up in like uh, m- the Chinatown underworld when his stepbrother gets murdered by the 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 the, the, the Asian mafia. Love it. Love yeah. uh, 
love, love Asians as the bad guys in the 80s. Like Asians and Russians. I was going into this film. I did not. I did not expect anything out of it. I was like, whatever. Christian Slater's cool. You know, I'll watch it. It's it's got Tony Hawk before Tony Hawk was Tony Hawk. That's cool. He basically that, that, plays random skateboarder number three. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, and he he and he actually has speaking parts. Like this movie has heart. It is a it is a hidden gem of the eighties, man. I, I can't I, like, I can't recommend it enough. So what does that mean? Glimming, uh, gleaming the cube. Do they explain it or is they it do a very hard? bad job of explaining it, but I'll do, I'll do it now to save you the Google search. So it comes from a quote in Thrasher magazine from some skateboarder who asked the interviewer, have you ever gleamed inside a cube man? And what he meant by saying that was, have you ever failed at something so spectacularly that it was impressive that you even tried? That's a pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really cool concept. I don't know if it fits into the movie, except that it came from skateboard culture. Uh, but there's some really cool old skateboard shit in it. Like it hasn't aged well because everything is, you know, a dated reference, but it is a movie from late eighties, California. It's just dripping of that aesthetic. It's, it's, it's a beautiful watch. You got to watch it, man. Okay. Uh, let's burn through a few more of these tremors. I love Tremors. I didn't. I had never seen Tremors. Tremors holds up. It's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, what else is on this list? Um, uh, Abraham Lincoln Vam- Vampire Hunter was better than I expected it to be. It's okay. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Like I expected trash was not quite trash. Uh, Little Miss Sunshine holds up. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom, adorable. Uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines, which is a, a a new movie on on Netflix. It's uh, animated. It's from the same production crew that did uh, Into the Spider Verse and the Lego movies. Ah, yeah. So it's uh, it's it's solid. It's really good. Like I and and it is it's it's a it's a very touching like father daughter story. So like my my ass was just crying for like ten minutes straight. So it's so I guess it's Pixarish in that respect. Uh, Idiocracy is is that movie has aged wonderfully considering. Uh, Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels is still fantastic. I remembered it being fantastic, and it is still fantastic. Um, let's see. Is a snatch on your list? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna watch that next. I think I'm gonna go really deep in uh, guy guy Ritchie movies next time around. Okay, cool. Because he's got some 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 that I want to check out. He has one that just came out. Yeah. Uh, I watched all of the Alien movies, which includes Alien, Aliens, Alien Three, Alien Resurrection, Prometheus, and Alien Covenant. And there are two really bad Alien movies. The rest of them are either untouchable classics or pretty good. What are the two bad ones? 
Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. Okay, so you like Prometheus. Prometheus, it it's barely an alien movie. You know, it it, it it ends up leading into the alien movies, but it's such it's such high concept sci-fi that I respect the story Ridley Scott's trying to tell. And with the uh, you know the human race being uh, born from an alien race, and then that. Uh, then giving birth to to androids, which then give birth to the the, the xenomorphs, and it, it's really like a snake eating its own tail situation. And it's it's just a really grand story that is being written about what was basically just a horror villain in the seventies, or what was seen as a horror villain. So I, I respect the fuck out of Prometheus and Alien Covenant, even though Alien Covenant gets kind of silly towards the end. But Alien and Aliens are certified classics. They they play as well today as they did when they first came out. Yeah, it's cool to me how they did a complete genre change mm-hmm. over Alien. Because Alien is scary. It's still scary. Yeah. And Aliens is, I mean, it's just a popcorn movie. It's really good. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're both excellent. Like the, the, that scene in Aliens that stand, it's the it's the best like four seconds possibly of the decade it was released. It's that fucking good uh, when the 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 Marines are like investigating and they're not sure what they're walking into. And then in the background, the focus changes and you see the alien move on the ceiling. That shit made me jump out of my fucking chair in 2021. Yeah, it, yeah, it yeah, still it's, holds up for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing, and the practical effects are hidden just just well enough behind camera tricks that everything looks super real. So I I have no complaints whatsoever on for either one of those movies. Uh, the Graduate. Let's talk about The Graduate real quick. Have you seen The Graduate? I know you've seen. You've got to have seen The Graduate. Yeah, yeah, it's excellent. That movie's so fucking weird, man. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I love it. I think it's so good. It, it like it's I mean, good, it builds but... up to that final scene. I think that's an example of a great ending for a, a pretty decent movie. I don't think it's a mediocre movie up to that point, but the ending is really good. Are you, do you mean when they when they're sitting on the bus? Was it a bus? Yeah, yeah all the way up to each other. To that. All the way oh. up to that. Like yes, him running. Okay. Yes. Yes. Stop it. The, the, the scene that was parodied in, in Wayne's world. Yes. Or Wayne's parodied world so well. Yeah. That was the first time I saw that scene was in Wayne's world. Me so too. it was, it was like, uh, this movie was copying it. But, uh, uh yeah, I, like I did. I, that's another movie. I didn't know what to expect. And just watching it, I was like, it's like, Oh, I thought this was a comedy. Is it a comedy? Is this a is this a drama? What am I watching? Oh, yeah. he's actually gonna fuck her mom. Oh, what? <laughs> it, it it defied every one of my expectations. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's a sad, sad movie too. I mean, because mm-hmm. like 
especially that ending. Like it seems happy, but it's not. You know, it's it's kind of a dark ending. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like and and he just kind of stumbles through destroying this entire family. Like it is again, it defied all of my expectations. So uh, the, the the last movie I want to talk about, and it's it's kind of a uh, it's a thinker. Uh, MacGruber. Have you seen MacGruber? Oh, dude, I loved MacGruber. Oh, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> I was so worried. I did not think I was going to like it. Like, and I mean, I remember going to a theater um, and watching it, and I used to just watch movies, you know, um, just whenever I could. Tried to mm-hmm. watch as many, and I was like, ah, oh, shit, I guess I'll watch MacGruber. And I was so mad that I haven't seen it like four times up to that point. It is so good. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I, I remember it coming out and me going, they made a fucking MacGruber movie. Are you kidding? I'm not going to watch yeah. that. And, and, and then someone had just recommended it very heavily. They're like, no, you need to watch it. It's way it's, it's, it, it borders on brilliant. And so I sat down and watched it and it might be brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the graveyard scene. Um, <laughs> yeah, there are so many scenes. Every, every time he yeah. he he got out of the car and he pulled out his his uh his tape deck. Yeah, was was wonderful. Just uh, him blowing up his entire first team is wonderful. Like, <laughs> dude, that is so good. I think that's where I fell in love with it. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's a complete shock when it happens, too. <laughs> yeah, man, like, I, of the movies that I've, that I've watched this year, that's one of them that I want to watch again. I, I want to go back and watch MacGruber with a fine-tooth comb, because that movie is so fucking bonkers, man. Yeah, it really... Uh... It is. It's uh, it's so funny. <laughs> and it doesn't fit really fit with anything like even the list. When I saw it on there, I was like, it doesn't fit with any of these movies. But it's so it's so funny. Yeah. And that's, yeah. It's definitely got the 80s aesthetic. Uh-huh. But uh, man, it's yeah. All I can say yeah. is if you haven't seen it, give it a chance. And no one, yeah, one get, yeah, watch it. And and like I shied away from a lot of like comedy in the second chunk of movies. I and I didn't even do it, at, you know, on purpose. I just didn't watch a lot of comedy. So I may, maybe that even helped me appreciate even more because it had been a while since I had watched something that was so slapstick and stupid. Yeah. Um. Sometimes that doesn't really hold up, but, and I haven't seen it in a while, but I started laughing, thinking about the graveyard scene. And then when you <laughs> told about him doing, uh, doing that thing at the very beginning, kind of the beginning of the movie, it's like, oh my gosh, this is, it's funny. It's, it's, yeah. I'm sure it still is, uh, really funny. Oh yeah. Yeah. Will well, Forte, uh, is, uh. And Kristen Wiig was really good. I think that was like one of her first roles where you could tell like she actually was yeah. um, like she was going to be 
be on SNL pretty soon. I love Kristen Wiig. I really do. Uh, well, they, like there are a few other ones here that I could talk about, but I'm not going to because we've we've hit our time. Uh, Jordy, that's that's chapter two of 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 the the journey through 365 uh, movies, and I, I think at some point I'm going to publish this list. That that way, it, it won't be a complete mystery as to what all I watched. And uh, trust me, th- th- there's no cheating here. Like my wife can vouch. I'm actually watching all of these fucking movies. So, uh, you got any final thoughts? No, I'm just so impressed that you're actually doing this. You're halfway there, little over halfway with yeah. the uh, extra 24. So. Just keep it up. I look forward to the next one. Okay. Uh, well, if you made it through this, I thank you for listening. And be sure to check out our uh, our panel if you're going to be at the Mississippi Comic Con. And if you're not going to be at the Comic Con, I'm sure we're going to record it and post it and share it with the world. Uh, and otherwise, tune into our our. 10th anniversary episode coming later this month. Uh, it's going to have some big news attached to it. Uh, news that's going to affect the Reality Breached podcast. So I'm really excited to make these announcements. So uh, I guess tune in next time. Jordy, thank you for being with me. Glad to do it. Thank you for having me. And tune in next time. Get the ransom. Shoot the hostage. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Reality Breached. Be sure to check out our other great shows like the Black Pocket Podcast, Shellheads, and Dead Scene Kids. All available on realitybreached.com. Climb aboard for adventure. Your traveling companions are fellow fans of Doctor Who. That's right. It's the podcast Discussing Who. Exploring the worlds of Doctor Who, past, present, and future. Find out more at DiscussingWho.com.